welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Laura Paramore as part of a mini-series on L&D Impact. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do take the time to give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Laura, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Now, this is a continuation of a conversation we've been having along with Kevin M. Yates and Bonnie Beresford, and one in which we dive deeper into measuring behaviour change. So perhaps we should start by asking, what is it we mean by behaviour change? And I suppose just as importantly, what can L&D realistically hope to achieve with somebody else's behaviour? Good question. Well, David, it always fascinates me that L&D professionals ask about behavior change, because if you think about what we do, we provide knowledge and skill to employees, right? And just giving knowledge or skill to an employee doesn't make any difference in an organization unless they actually apply it into their job. So part of our job and and the, the challenge before us is to create the behavior change in the organization. So our, the, the place where we do the heavy lifting is to enable them to do that, to be able to have the skill, and then to monitor their ability to apply it. So there's lots of ways that we, it's very important for L&D to understand that behavior change is the goal. If we don't change behavior, nothing's going to change in the organization, right? So we can't just put it at, we're giving knowledge to people. It has to be that we are reaching them in when to do the skills that they need to do on the job. Yeah, and and uh, you know, you you say in that you're you're absolutely adamant and and right that 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 what we do we need needs to uh, have an outcome of uh, of changing the way that 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 people work and the results that they get. Uh, but that said, there's a lot of language in learning and development. We we deliver learning. We provide learning. You know, there, yeah, within that, there's not a lot of accountability apart from me give this to you and then there is still a lot of rhetoric around um the uh, it's down to the individual and then uh, a lot of accountability to the line manager there's there's all of this stuff that that almost absolves learning and development of the responsibility of this i, I see from your face you're not in that camp <laughs> no i am not i'm not going to absolve and and the reason i say that is that you know we talk a lot about alignment i know kevin started and talked a lot about alignment mm. Our job is to understand what they need to happen on the job, right? Mm-hmm. What behaviors they're looking for. And our job is to distill them down into the skills that they don't have, the knowledge and skills that they don't have, and to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Well, if we just give it to them and if we hold ourselves only to the fact that I've gained knowledge or that I can, that I can you know, mimic it in class, then ultimately we are not good professional or, or performance consultants to the organization. Because we're just saying, well, I did my part. Who cares what else happens? We have to think from a systems perspective as a whole. Even though we can't influence what happens on the job necessarily, we can report on what's happening. We can be able to show we acquired this ability and now it either failed or it didn't fail on the job to allow us to carry it all the way forward. Yeah. It would be as if um, you know, one department said, well, I created the product. Good luck with you on selling it. There's got to be some understanding of how to make that transition from what we do to the other. 
if we don't hold ourselves accountable for it, who's going to? Yeah, and right? you mentioned the you mentioned the word report uh, a moment ago as well. And let let's not forget that the um, the traditional or the established measures of and inverted commas learning um, are attendance, completion, and satisfaction to some extent. And there may be an assessment in which there is an obs observation of a practice which stops well short of sustained behaviour change. So, in with that regard, and this being perhaps not the norm. Why is it important for us to measure behavior change, Laura? Well, without measuring behavior change, David, we have no clue as to the quality of our work. Mm -hmm. We have an idea of how much work we put in. We have an idea of what people think of us, but we have no real idea of the quality of what we do. We have no feedback for ourselves as to what which uh, design decisions that we made were that worked and what didn't work, what enabled those abilities, right? And there, and our students have no feedback as to whether or not they achieved those. Mm. So measurement should, you know, I, I, it, I get frustrated with the fact that we talk about measurement like this add-on. Mm. Measurement is a part of our process. It should never be an add-on. I can't believe that we really, in business, I'm, I come from a business background, so I I have never seen another department that actually produces things without any quality measurements. Mm. We don't have that feedback because we don't, instead of identifying the behaviors, the and in, in our world, we we classify behaviors in three, or we classify outcomes in three ways. Mm -hmm. One is what knowledge do you need? The next is what critical thinking decisions you have to make. And the other is observable behaviors. Mm -hmm. So those, the, really, it's the critical thinking and the observable behaviors that are the actions, right? Yeah. That's what we're trying to get to. And we're only supplying the knowledge so that you can get to those critical thinking skills, decision-making, problem-solving, and those are observable behaviors. So measurement, if we don't classify what our outcomes are and measure against them, where is our quality control? Where, where, do, we, where do we get the feedback and where do we get the um the verification in any level as to what we're doing. Yeah, well, that and that's the problem, Laura, because when when learning and development teams are established or uh, a new leader is brought in, often the outcome that is sought is uh, an exhaustive curriculum uh, and vast content suite. So you're so you're plugging gaps, it, so so that it looks comprehensive, um, and then. After the decisions have been made and we start getting people through the door and so they, 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 there begins to get some engagement, often the measurement question comes up afterwards. Is it, are we getting a return on investment? Almost as if the, the, the implementation of the solution was the goal. Now, once we've achieved the goal, is that now doing good? And, I, and I, you know, from what you're saying there, it's too late. Well, it is, but... but... When, I, when you say that the, the leaders are asking for the volume and you know how much we're doing, et cetera, and who's coming to our classes, I, I consider that our, uh, our fault, L&D's mm. fault. Yeah. And the reason is that we haven't educated people on where our quality comes from. Mm. So all this time, we've not been measuring ourselves. So they don't know what to ask for. They That's have right. no clue as to how we could measure ourselves. Um, I've had people... I run a learning leader roundtable group and one of the leaders came in and he said, well, I'm not going to measure because there, nobody, uh, nobody's asking for it. Well, then a few months later, somebody asked for it. So, well, you know, uh, you know, are you measuring yourself? And um, 
And the guy, the leader, the, the L&D leader said, well, how would you like me to measure? And I was going, oh, seriously? <laughs> we're going to we're gonna ask the executive who doesn't know L&D, who doesn't have the skill set that we, you know, that we, our competency in order of being an L&D professional, we're going to ask them how we should measure ourselves? That's where the problem comes in. So what's happening is um, in the industry now is measurement is becoming a real thing in some of these places. And data is, of course, growing and growing and growing. If we don't embrace it, they'll replace us and find somebody that will do it. Um, AI is going to be a big uh, part of that, I think, because yeah. content's been king, right? It's always been about gathering content and getting content out there. Mm -hmm. And we allowed it to stop there. Mm -hmm. So of course they're not asking for measurement because or what the right right kind of measurement because they don't know what we can do. No, no, that's right. I think that uh, that that what I'm reading into what you're saying there as well, Laura, is that uh, inevitably not measuring will come back to bite us. It, it, it inevitably, and that will either be, uh, be uh, because we're being held to account for actual outcomes, being held to account for actual return on investment, or when times are tough and things are being cut because we can't demonstrate our value. We, we find ourselves in a precarious position. So there's there, it, it is inevitable. So, so I love what you're saying exactly. there. Be it's ahead of the game. Yeah. yeah. So, so how does, so, so clearly what we've been talking about here is that you need to, to, to plan measurement of behavior change into the, the earlier stages. So how do, how do you um, fit it into the learning design, uh, design process? Well, uh, uh, you know, Learning design again. When you every, when we say learning design and we look at learning design models, everybody's got something else coming up in their head, right? Mm. Um, I I ascribe to basically no matter how you're designing, measurement should be a part of it. So when we start uh, in the analysis phase, when we go in, we ask for course requests. We need to be able to ask them what they're looking for. And they're always going to describe those in behavior terms. Mm. They're always going to say, I need them to be able to do this. And I need them to be able to do this, or they're not doing this right. So this metric is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to have that conversation. And again, we have learned to classify outcomes in two different types of behaviors. It's either a cognitive skill, which is a critical thinking, decision-making or problem solving, or it's an observable skill. Mm. Any learning that you do can boil down into those. So once you identify whether it's a critical thinking or an observable skill, then you want to be able to say in your analysis, okay, I, you want them to be able to do X and you want them to be able to do Y. And they say yes. And you design for that, right? So then you put in X and Y in your course. And when you design for that, you're saying, okay, what level do those need to be at? What If you're doing that well, what does that look like? So we have to pull out the standards of performance for those types of skills, right? When we do that and go into design, we create our objectives around those outcomes, those type, categorize them in those outcomes. And then we go back and make sure that when we measure them, we're measuring against the standards they're using on the job. Mm -hmm. So we have a correlation between the outcomes we're looking for in the analysis, we gather what they need in the design, we put it into our design. And when you think about it, if we have clarity around what those outcomes are and what the standards are, that informs us on how we need to teach it and how we need to measure it. If we don't do that up front and identify them, and I'm not talking about, I have this content or this information in there. I talk about do these three things or four things or five things, whatever it is in the time frame and the mm. standards against them and teach to that. Yeah. So it 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 
you ask how it fits in our design, it fit, it should fit in our whole process. You have to, you know, you years back, people were saying, you know, design with the end in mind. Well, of course, yeah. of course we have to design with the end in mind. But what that looks like is where people get tripped up. What happens is they go in and they they're still using their own process, their old processes of here's the content, I put it up there, I'm designing to get to this content, but they're not thinking about that content's application on the job no. and identifying is at what they're going to be able to do afterwards. Mm. So when you send a course and you give people all this content and they come back out and say, oh yeah, they they passed a test on this content, nobody knows what they're doing any differently. So yeah. you have to put it into your design of these are the outcomes you're looking for, behavior outcomes, skill yeah. outcomes. And when you describe it like that, Laura, it's uh, you know it it it's quite simple as in like, yeah. the 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 way you've described that. But the thing is, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy to do. So why is it so difficult? <sighs> Don't get me started, David. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. Um, I, I will tell you. We've been doing this for 15 years, so it's I'm at my frustration level right up here. But <laughs> when I studied this, uh, my dissertation focus was on the disconnect between um, learning professionals and business professionals in mm. intent of outcomes. And so I'm very passionate about this. The reason it has not happened or why it is so difficult is because we have come up through that um, we didn't measure in the beginning. So now, it is push out content, push out content, push out content. And we've trained ourselves to do that. We've trained our businesses to accept that from us. And so we're having a lot harder time going back and say, wait a minute, I actually have to think about what I'm putting out here. I have to mm -hmm. actually have to see how I align with the organization. Now I have to know whether or not I achieve this behavior. And so we don't do that because the organizations now are not giving us the time to do it. They don't respect any expertise that we have because we haven't shown any expertise. Mm -hmm. As far as they're concerned, we take a bunch of content or we, you know, they've been giving us money so that we could find content in the past. Those days are over. Content's yeah. everywhere. You're not going to have that problem anymore. But now they're looking at saying, well, the reason, and I'll tell you the biggest indicator of that. Biggest indicator is when you think about people that have come into learning, where do they come from? Where do they hire learning professionals? So I'd say there was a, there's a, a mix between uh, some folks who were on the line. Uh, so, uh, so, so in, op in operations at some level, uh, some from uh, within HR, um, but, uh, but, but, but not usually grown as learning and development professionals from an academic and educational perspective. Uh, these people often, and I, the, the phrase I hear more often than anything, is people fall into it. They do fall into it. And that's because there's no requirement for you to know anything else. Low bar, that low barrier to entry. So the, there's no barrier to yeah. entry because the organization does not understand that we have a skill set in design. I can design, I mean, I've, I've measured a lot of designs over the years. I can measure this design, same content, and measure that design. They're very different outputs. Mm. And that's because of the skill of the designer, knowing which ways to teach things, how to use your you know, your learning principles, all of those things that we do in order to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not hard. It's, it's, it's really simple, but yeah. we've not held ourselves accountable for doing it. So now we're caught in this, we're caught in this, wait a minute, you're just a commodity, right? Mm -hmm. You can just buy this and anybody can do it. And we'll stick anybody in the profession. And so, and then we complain because we don't get a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying, well, if you had a seat at the table, 
let's just say we all sat at the table. What the heck would you tell them? Yeah. What what business intelligence <laughs> are you providing for them? Yeah. Right. Don't ask for a seat at the table unless you can actually tell them that you know how to get those skills or that capability that they need to meet the strategy. Yeah. Until you can tell them your methods that you can prove those methods work to get there and 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 inform them on what it takes to get there, they're going to keep making those decisions. Mm. You know, people right. come in. Yeah, they come into those learning meetings and and they say, oh, somebody said, give me a course. And then they proceed to start telling us not just what to do, but how to do it and and when to do it and all the parameters around it. And so you're they've completely taken away our voice because they mm-hmm. haven't seen us with any skills in order to do it. Frustrates yeah. the heck out of me. No, I can, I can tell Laura, it frustrates me as well. Um, that, uh, that, that, that unless we are able to more efficiently, predictably and reliably uh, equip people with what they need to perform today and tomorrow, then, exactly. then, then we're the people who deliver courses and manage the online stuff. Um, exactly. but, but you're absolutely right. I thought you were going to say that uh, that we need to earn that seat at the table, but I love what you just said there. What the heck are we going to tell them? Because you're, yeah. abs- you're absolutely right. Uh, learning and development want to be there where decisions are being made and maybe influence that, but we'll never do that while we're transfer- transferring performance needs, which is what the requirements of the job into learning needs for the purposes of our own categorization and delivery, rather than necessarily keeping the 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 issues that need resolving in the messy context in which people are actually expected to perform and help them to do that that's probably why uh, management and leadership is such a money pit uh, exactly. because because everybody's got their theory on uh, and and there's always a, a new um uh, uh way of delivering this or or, or, or exactly this. yeah but but, but what the one thing that they've all got in common is that they don't understand the job that your managers and leaders are doing. Uh, so, so what we try to do is, you know, you're just you're just white emulsioning over over the walls every single time, uh, thinking that uh, that that what's required is just a complete redecorating uh, of the walls, where really it's so much more complex, and you can't get anywhere unless you understand what these people are expected to do in their roles. Exactly. Exactly. Um... Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm sure in our further discussion, I'll, I'll carry on to that. But uh, that's that's the challenge is mm. that, you know, I used to I used to speak a lot. Uh, I still speak, but I, I've limited a little bit now. But I used to start by saying, asking all these learning professionals in the room, what is your product? Mm. I got so many answers. Oh, well, we reduce uh we improve retention, we reduce, we improve productivity. They kept giving me, we make, we engage people. They mm. gave me all this stuff. I thought, what is our product? Yeah. And they could not, I had to always guide them to your learning course is your instrument of change. Mm. If you can't be good at designing that course, then that, then you're not going to make a change. Mm. So why is it that we're hanging our hat on how many courses we do or whether people like them? It mm. is whether I use this method or that method or how what things I actually put into my course and do they actually hit what they're asking me to hit. Mm. And then we test it against measurement allows you to test against your decisions about how I, you know, how I taught this and whether or not they were able to do it. And then whether it applied to the job, you can test against it if you have the standards of performance. Mm. Most of the time, most of the companies, when we first start with them, they have they don't even have good standards. 
Mm. It's like they just go on the web somewhere and get the content somewhere and they it doesn't doesn't it even relate to what people are looking for on the job. Yeah. No, that relates. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's lead the way then, uh, Laura. Let's start with um, uh, how can measuring behavior improve learning's alignment with the organization? It's the only way to improve alignment, in my view. Mm. And that is because the organization, when somebody comes, when an organization comes to us or when we're working with an organization, they need capability, right? So if you think about impact, it, you know, inco- it, it, organizational impact is is when the results from actions, decisions, things that people do, right? That's the impact. That's how it changes. Behavior change is what we create. So I, you made the distinction early in here and said, well, describe behavior change. And I, I'm not quite sure why learning professionals don't realize they're in the behavior change business. Mm-hmm. Because we are an instrument of change. If our learning programs don't create change, then what are we? You know, what do we do? And if you get a knowledge or a skill, the only way that can manifest is through a behavior. Mm-hmm. So the organization is looking for behavior. They know what they need on the floor. They're calling us in because they're saying this salesperson's not presenting this product correctly, or they don't know how to negotiate, or they don't know how to lead, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. They know what they need and they see it. And when they judge us, they're always judging us on the behavior that happens when they go back to the job. Mm-hmm. So why are we shying away from mapping that, right? Yeah. So what you can do, David, is, well, what it's 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 really simple. All right, mm. I know you laugh, but it's <laughs> okay. So let's just take take an example. Say I have three behaviors I've got, right? Mm. I've got three behaviors I need, and I have what those behaviors are supposed to look like, and those are called my standards, right? These are how. This is how I'm supposed to negotiate. This is how I'm supposed to present this product. When I go in and I design a course, I'm designing based off of what that leader told me, what my course requester told me. And I asked him about his business and we talked about, and there's lots of ways that we need to handle that conversation so that we are assured that we're hitting the right thing as much as we can. This podcast can't go that far. But anyway, at this point, that's what you need to do. So you now come armed with, I need these three things to happen. Those are behavior change that has to happen on the job for them to feel like learning did something, Mm -hmm. right? So if I quantified those and then I've got the standards, then I can test for those even before I do a class, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've got got a negotiation skill. I want them to do these, negotiate this particular way. I can test any individual in the organization to find out whether or not they can do that. Mm -hmm. There's your measurement, right? That's not rocket science, right? So we do that. If we measure it in the beginning, we can test whether or not, let's say if I go in and, and I find out that, you know, I've got 50 people in this course and I've got these three skills that they need. And I find out that um, there's an 80% pass rate on those. What does that tell me? It tells uh, me they already have that skill. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. So my, my analysis with that person about what the problem is, is not this, this skill. So I immediately have information that I can talk to that stakeholder and say, wait a minute, let's not produce this course because most of the expense comes in producing the course. We've tested this audience. We now know that they know that they already know this. But so your metric is being messed up by something else. It's not because they don't know it. Maybe it's because they're not applying it, but it's not because they don't know it. Right. So if you design a blueprint for success, basically, is what I'm calling it. Right. 
you've got a corresponding outcomes behaviors, and then you've got corresponding uh, assessments that go to that. You've got a standard for, for, for performance, and that's what you're reporting to your organization on. And that's the impact that you're making. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally makes sense. So what, what I think that's uh, what's, what I'm hearing as well, which I think, um, uh, and just, just to lay this clear, is that we're not talking about generic negotiation skills or something generic here. I think it's really clear uh, for the listener to hear that when when we're helping somebody um, within like to, with the with the aspects of their job, we need to give them a map of the terrain. We need to show exactly. them what the terrain looks like. We don't draw a terrain from scratch, idyllic palm tree in the middle. X marks the spot. There might be treasure there. With, you know, like like a lot of generic off the shelf training will deliver and which right at the end there's kind of an arbitrary uh, examination you know let's let's all be in threes observe two people doing a thing oh well done like you know exactly. now you're now you're equipped to do that 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 negotiation within exactly. your job which they're not able to do so it really is a map of the terrain and if we don't understand the terrain ourselves then we're probably as much used as a chocolate teapot Exactly. What are we? We're not teaching to the job, so it's not going to be applied because it's not Mm. teaching to it. One of the ways that I mean, not to get technical here, but when we design, if we design an an outcome, a critical thinking or behavior outcome, uh, observable behavior outcome, we need to put the conditions of performance in those statements Mm. as well as the criteria. The criteria comes from the standard. So what you just said very eloquently is. If we make a negotiation skill without applying it to how that person is actually negotiating in their job, it becomes, we immediately make it hard for them to apply. Mm. But honestly, Dave, Dave, most of the time I'm seeing people, they just dump it out. They don't even get them to the action piece. Mm. They don't even identify how I'm supposed to use this negotiation. Or they they talk about, uh, you know, might be I'm teaching you communication or how to ask open-ended questions, but I don't put them in the environment in which they're having to open have open-ended questions. So I can't address anything barriers to use, right? Yeah. So you're right. We have to understand how it's being used on the job. Mm-hmm. And then we have to go back and clearly articulate which skill, critical thinking skill or an observable behavior we are trying to get out of that and agree with our stakeholder on what that looks like so that we can test against it. Yeah. So if we measure it ahead of time, we can test whether or not our analysis is this, this is, might fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Then we can take that exact same standard and measure it after learning to see whether or not they acquired it, right? So we've mm-hmm. got a before state, we've got an after state. Before state and after state verifies our instructional design. It mm-hmm. verifies whether our skills at design actually were leading to the end result. But that's not behavior change yet, Right. Mm-hmm. It is behavior change within a classroom environment. So you can show that they can do it. We got to, as learning professionals, we need to get to where we accept that we can mimic it as much as possible. And that shows that they can do it, but they're going to run across some barriers on the, on the floor that we mm-hmm. can't address until we find out about it. But let's just say we, we, we found out that we need this course. We've now mm-hmm. verified that they've learned it. They can actually do the negotiation within their job environment. And then we have the same instrument we can use that same instrument to measure them on the floor. Mm-hmm. And if we measure them on the floor, we'll know whether they retained it and mm-hmm. are they applying it. And if they're not retaining it and applying it, then our conversation with our stakeholders is very different than if it learning happened over here. So yeah. if we fail in learning here, we need to go to our stakeholders and say, look, our designs didn't work. We need to do it again. We're going to fix it, do forth. 
Now I'm telling you, everybody passes. Everybody knows how to do it. You need to be able to reinforce it on the floor and we're going to test it in six months or three months or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. Just the act of measuring creates the accountability and the alignment. Yeah. Because it provides feedback to us. It provides feedback to our stakeholders, our students, our, our leaders, everyone. It should be a part of the process. And it's not an add-on. It is yeah. every time we do this, this is just what we do. And I'm I'm just flabbergasted that we don't do this <laughs> everywhere. You know, it's 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 such a beautiful way of giving just just making accountability and transparency and and giving feedback to everyone and making us more successful because we're using data and measurement mm. and agile design. We change as we need to, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, we asked me, why is it so difficult? It's not difficult, but it does take concerted effort. Mm -hmm. And what we have been doing is because we haven't been measured well, we, you know, we do surveys or whatever. We've been pushed and pushed and pushed to push out a program in a week and, you know, make it one hour because nobody thinks we have any skill doing it any other way mm. and do it by e-learning because they're thinking about just how can you do it faster because we've never given them anything else to think about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the misheld belief that's perpetuated by um, a vendor market that believes that consumption equals competence, uh, which is uh, one of the daftest things. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, and and that's that's probably the antithesis of being professional, uh, believing in that nonsense. Uh, but anyway, um, let's get let's go granular, uh, Laura. What steps or approach do you take for measuring behaviour? Well, um, as I, I articulated earlier, we in the beginning in the design, we get the we have we make a blueprint based off of the outcomes that they're looking for, the behavior outcomes they're looking for. Mm. We make, take that blueprint and use those standards. So we have a corresponding standard for every outcome. We measure it before, we measure it afterwards, and then we measure it on the job. And then we use that data to be able to feed back to the organization on a consistent basis. Mm. So um, the challenge is the tools. There's not a lot of tools out there that support um, this we we use a tool, uh, we have a tool that we've created for this. The model that, that, the, that I'm describing, we call ROI by design. And that's because you get to your ROI through your design. People need to understand that. They need to understand that their design is creating the change and we are change agents. If we are change agents and we wanna be performance consultants, we need to use the data from those different points and change yeah. to be able to create and to improve and to, to make those outcomes happen. So those the approach that we take to measurement is first and foremost, have that conversation up front to come up with the behaviors you need mm -hmm. and the corresponding. So, so usually when we, when we do this, and again, I get some whole nother conversation, but when we're in that conversation, we're getting the behaviors, but we're also capturing the metrics mm -hmm. because what's happening in their head is I need people to do negotiation because my um, POs are coming out too high, right? So I need them to negotiate down. Let's just say that's the case. So they've got a metric in their mind and they think it's negotiation. So we're going to test that. So mm. we're going to identify this metric, this PO level, right? With our course. And we're mm. going to say these negotiations should impact this. When we go back to see if the behavior change happened, 
not the change in the classroom, because the change in the classroom is just the fact that we we got we did our job, right? Mm. But if they actually change it on the floor, then we're testing against the assumption that that change made this metric move. Because essentially our stakeholders are coming to us with that thought. Yeah. They're think they've got a metric in their mind. And so we want to capture that metric and say, you believe these behaviors are going to change that metric. And we document that. And then we go back. And when we test, we test the metric before there's an intervention. And then we test it only if transfer that last metric or mm. that last measurement is actually showing that they made the change. Then we look at the metric. Because if it only showed that they gained it in the classroom and they didn't do it on the job, nothing in the metric is going to change because mm. no, no behavior ain't changed. Yeah. Right. And do you do anything different then to ensure behavior change is sustained or do you just follow the, do the same approach uh, a little further down the line? Uh, well, when we first, you know, this is, a this is you know, David, I'm laying out a basic model here, just, mm. you know, just a scientific good basic model. Um, there are lots of nuances in between there where you're, you're actually having to shift the organization to understand as a, you know, to do their part. Mm. So, the measurement itself and getting the data itself has been the biggest thing that I've seen made a change mm. because it's a very different thing. Let's just say you don't have the data. It's just, I did the course and then the, the behaviors didn't happen. So the leader comes back and says, the behaviors didn't happen. Course sucks, right? That's always what happens. But the, when you come to them with data and you say, okay, I've tested it. They don't know this information. I'm going to run the course. Now they can do these things. I've tested they can do these things you give that data to them, then they know that they're going back on the floor and that conversation, not just not just the behaviors, but the standards we're looking for because they're all tied together, right? They know to reinforce those. And if they don't happen, then you can go back to that conversation and say, look, we spent X number of money, time and money. It's always about time and money. Mm -hmm. We spent this doing this. We got our, we did our job. We got the skill. We need for these things to happen. Let's talk about how we can make sure that they continue to use them on the job. What are the barriers? And mm. then we become the performance consultant. But without the data, it doesn't happen because it's a he said, she said. That's right. Yeah. We're the order takers back. You know, uh, you know what you, what you were um, describing there reminds me of a time uh, uh, when when I was in uh, uh, in an organization working with a very senior stakeholder who told me in no uncertain terms that he needs a bespoke presentation skills program. So uh, first of all, he uh, had firm ideas about what he wanted in uh, within the, the course. Uh, and of course, I, uh, uh, I did like uh, what what any savvy learning and development professional would do, uh, and I let him let him exhaust himself first of all and wait until there everything had come out, uh, and then I started to get into a conversation about so what it is what is it that you want people to do differently, um, and went and through probing and uh, uh, there, I mean there were a couple of moments when I that uh, that from what he was responding I realised this isn't presentation skills, but you, you know, you're pulling on thread. There was this lovely phrase I heard once that, uh, that when you're dealing with a, uh, a senior stakeholder, um, that you've, you've got to treat it sometimes like, uh, you've got a photocopier jam. So you've got paper in the photocopier. If you yank it out, there's going to be bits left in the, uh, in the photocopier. Ooh, so you need to, you need to ease it out. You need to tease it out to get the piece of paper out in one piece. And in the end, through these conversations, this was uh, he needed certain people within his department to be able to pitch to external vendors. Uh, mm. That was it. There was this wasn't presentation skills. This was a very distinct very part of their, exactly. Behavior. It was their job. So present. So broad presentation skills with everything that he'd said that he wanted in it. 
um, based upon his experience, his insights and, you know, and, and, and all other sorts would never have hit the mark. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it, okay, it, it probably takes a little bit of confidence to deal with a senior stakeholder, especially one who's got firm ideas about what, what it is that they want. But if you hold yourself to account to actual change, to every investment post this meeting being uh, well spent, as you said, of time and money, then you need to make sure that when you leave the room, you're solving a real problem and you're not just delivering more content. Exactly. Exactly. Very well said. I, I tell some people sometimes that when, when they put in a measurement practice, because that's usually what we're doing, we're putting mm -hmm. it in the organizations. Um, I, when you put in a measurement practice, you need to go to your stakeholders and say, I'm holding myself accountable to ensure I receive the, get to the behaviors that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I want to partner with you. And we, we teach them how to have those conversations. And I'll say this because it's at this point, I think when we talk about the barriers to putting in measurement and putting mm. in, because um, we talk about it's hard, it's not difficult to actually do. Mm. What is difficult is um, learning professionals don't have, I, I don't think many of them have enough business acumen. They mm. didn't all come through business. They might've been through a certain thing. They don't have, they haven't owned what L&D really does in an organization. Mm. Then. Um, so they need that kind of baseline. And after that, they need to understand how to build rapport and trust in a business conversation. Yeah. And then finally, they need to actually have the tactical conversation. Mm -hmm. So there's when we, you know, a lot of times, you know, like people, cobblers with no shoes, we say, oh, begin with the end in mind and have these conversations and ask these questions. And they don't feel confident going into it because they, when, if if I came Unless I could demonstrate to them, to my stakeholder, that I understand their business and mm. I have enough business acumen to know what questions to ask, and I have enough business acumen to understand, or I have enough understanding of what L and D can do, provide for it, I cannot have that conversation with you. Mm. I can, I can, I can give them a list, and I, we've done this in the past. We give them a list to ask these questions. They can ask those questions, but they can't drive the conversation like you just did. Yeah, like you just talked about. So we are um, very um, lacking in that area. That's because we have no central place where we come from. We come from all these different places. We all come in here. And then once we get in, we're told our only value is pushing out content. Mm -hmm. Our industry has to stand up for itself and say, I'm going to hold myself accountable. And once I hold myself accountable, you can say, the data shows me that this behavior, uh, this can't be achieved by doing this. And then yeah. they can't argue with the data. They can argue with you all day long, but they cannot argue with the data. Mm. I think that uh, that that I think I hear in your voice as well. It's similar to mine. Is in I am very hopeful for the learning and development profession, and I think that AI will largely help because uh, if we've previously seen our role as useful administrators and content creators, thank goodness that that's going to be taken out of our hands. Exactly. That's, that, that role's not required, but everything that else that you've described here that requires relationships, right, that uh, requires uh, consulting, yeah, and, you know, and, and all the good stuff that gets to actual measurable impact, that at the moment... And, you know, is, and, you know, is the only skill set we're going to have left to hang our hat on. 
Exactly, and it's the, and it's the one that AI can't do, but the one the way we can add the greatest value. So, uh, so I think that, uh, that that anybody listening should be really hopeful. Uh, but uh, but uh, but the only way that uh, that 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 we're really going to survive uh, in an in uh, in this age of AI is by doing what we are here to do and not trying to uh, uh, do do what that will do better. But it leads me to my my last question, Laura, because we've said this all along here. This isn't difficult. It's it's simple, but it's not easy. So what advice would you give to L&D professionals who are just starting out with this approach? The best advice I think I would give them is hold yourself accountable. Hmm. Um, have the desire to understand the whether the decisions you are making are good ones or not good ones. And that does not mean a survey. Hmm. A survey time and time again, I mean, all you have to do is look at the research. A survey is not going to give you the uh, understanding of whether or not they actually achieved it. Mm. You know, you think about if we, you know, so most of us have a degree somewhere, right? We have a degree and we, when we, when we go out and we get our job, we got to go to our, to our first job, we have some confidence that we're actually going to be able to do that job because we took courses and we were measured against the ability to do those courses. We had tests, et cetera, right? That's the only way for us to verify and give confidence to our students as well as confidence to ourselves as to whether or not we're doing the job that we need to be doing. So I would say, hold yourself accountable. I would also say, learn about, get some business acumen, get some mm -hmm. basic understanding of how departments work together, get really clear understanding about what L&D, how L&D impacts. I, I've said many, many times, L&D, other than hiring outside, companies change strategy all the time, right? Yeah. They're always, they're, you know, new technology and we have to shift what we do in order to pivot and, and, and capture more market share. So in order to do that, they need capabilities, new capabilities all the time, right? Mm -hmm. There's only two ways to get new capabilities. You hire it in or learning provides it. Yeah. If learning does, so learning is incredibly important to an organization. That's why they keep throwing money at us. They have mm. no clue how, whether we, whether it works or not. They're just hoping like, heck, you know, we're getting somewhere, right? Mm. So if we don't own that, that, hey, you want capability, I'm here to give it to you and I can show you that they have it. The only way we can do that is for us to hold ourselves accountable to know what those behavior outcomes are and measure against the standards that the company is asking us to get. Mm -hmm. So people... Uh, in summary, I want to say that a lot of times, you know, learning professionals are the only department that can actually create capability in the organization. So that's very, very important. Mm. A lot of times people in the terms, you know, because we've got a lot of terms that go around, people say, well, we want to talk about business impact. I love business impact. Of course, that's the goal, right? Businesses are measured by measure by metrics. Yes, measure, mm. they're measured by metrics. Metrics are changed by behavior. Mm. We change the ability of someone in order to give them the capability, to give them that behavior, right? We give them the ability to do something that negotiate in that particular environment more that, and that's the only way they get it is through learning, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to own that and we have to measure ourselves against that. And then we have to work with our partners to say, use data to improve our practice. So to get started, you're not going to, David, I don't, you could probably say better than I could, how are you going to get organizations? You know, we, again, we've been singing this song for a long time mm. and everybody keeps changing the, you know, doing those shiny objects. But um, I think that we have to get good at what we do. Mm. Otherwise our skills, 
and I'm glad you said it, not me, AI is going to take that right out of our hands, right? Mm. And if it takes it right out of our hands, ultimately, someone's going to come in and say, wait a minute, beyond this content, I'm going to put a science behind it, and I'm going to show you how I can use it. But for a long time, it will be just be out of luck. Mm. So all I'm asking for people to do is to understand your work and yeah. to do it, do it so that you hold yourself accountable and then you can have the conversations. Yeah. Did I go a roundabout way of saying that again? No, no, no. I love it. I love it. And look, I, you know, there's never been a better time. What with um, uh, skill shortages and uh, scarcity in the labor market, the L&D is needed more than ever. Uh, but, but we need to do stuff that works. Uh, and I think that you've uh, you've outlined that very well uh, throughout all of this, Laura. Uh, and so if people wish to follow your work or uh, or get in touch, how best can they do so? Uh, well, the company I work for is eParamus. So eParamus, E-P-A-R-A-M-U-S dot com. And um, look me up on LinkedIn. Link mm -hmm. in with me. I, I mean, we have these, you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this subject. Um, but like you, I... I get, and I'm sure all learning professionals do this. We get very frustrated sometimes because we feel like we're just working so hard and not making an impact. Mm. But like you, David, I'm not afraid of AI. I think many people are looking at AI and saying, oh gosh, they're going to take my job and they get all worried and I'm going to go become a plumber. Um, but I think that hopefully this will elevate us. And if it doesn't, nothing will. Yeah. So I, I am hopeful. So if people want to reach out and get into the conversation, we got plenty of it going on. Fabulous. And Laura, we'll put some uh, links to uh, to uh, um, your site and your your socials uh, in the the show notes. But it's all left for me to say then, Laura, is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development podcast. Thank you, Davis. It's been a real, real pleasure. I appreciate it. As we discussed, measuring behaviour change is an important step in us knowing what we've helped to achieve. Without it, we really do need to question the value we offer to our organisation and our stakeholders. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective, of which I'm an active member. Join me and thousands of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn. Again, you'll find links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.